Hello again, everybody. We are now at the time of the message for this morning. And, you know, as you know, um, I never like to open the scriptures without calling upon the Lord. So I know we sang a little bit. We've been praying a lot. But I'm going to invite you to pray with me one more time as we get to the word for today. Let us pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, I come before you humbly. And I'm asking, Lord, that in spite of me, in spite of who I am, that you anoint my lips, and as I speak here, it be you and not I. As we look through the scriptures today, that your Holy Spirit may flow through us for wisdom, for understanding, for application, that we're able to live it out, not just be hearers of the words, but be doers of the word. So please continue to pour out your anointing into this place. This is my humble prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, let everyone say, Amen. You know, uh, we always say here in this church, we say happy Sabbath whenever we greet each other. Um, This is a time where if you look in the book of Genesis from the beginning of creation, the Lord created the heavens and the earth in six days and the seventh day he rested and he set it aside. And he set a day aside where he wanted to meet with all of us, where he wanted to spend time with us. And so many times we take this day for granted, whereas one day where we could forget about work and our bills and different things and just come to the house of prayer. And I am so happy because even though we just opened last week, we had like 35 people last week. I don't know what we have today, maybe 15, 20, who knows. But also at home, through YouTube and Facebook, we're getting a couple of hundred people that are still worshiping with us from the living rooms and elsewhere, and it is so nice to know that we have a family out there who gathers together on the same day to commune with God. And so the last couple of weeks, you know, throughout the quarantine and even now, uh, we have been preaching and going over historical events. We talked about the destruction of Jerusalem, and we talked about the persecution. We talked about the Wandaises in John Wycliffe last week. And so Next week, we're going to touch up on Huss and Jerome. We might even get a chance to talk about Luther. And we have been learning from them throughout history the things that they did when they stood up for God. However, if you remember last week, I told you something that I always ask of my leaders in the church. Come up with a way to share a two or three minute story of your story. Who were you before you met Christ? How did you meet Christ? And how are you different now that you have met Christ? And so today's message goes along the lines of finding out what is your story. Not that I want you to share with me at this moment, but I want you to think about what's your story because I love stories. Stories is, is things that keep our attention. We learn so many lessons. And so I don't know what you feel about the word of God. Remember last week when we talked about John Wycliffe, he made it a point to bring the word of God in English for the folks there because that's the language that they spoke. It wasn't now in a language that only scholars can understand. It wasn't a secret that the priest kept the word and nobody else was allowed to even own a Bible. He made his life's mission to ensure that we have the word of God in our hands. Has anybody here ever made a New Year's resolution, you know, New Year's resolution usually is save money, lose weight. Those are like the top two, right? But then some people make a New Year's resolution to read the Bible from beginning to end. Has anybody ever decided to read the Bible through and through? Yeah, you've made those resolutions. And so there are different ways to read the Bible. You can read the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. 
You could read the Bible in chronological order, the way that events happen. Some people think, well, Job maybe is the oldest book, so we'll read Job first, and then we'll go to Genesis. And then people go all over the place. Some people start in the Gospels, and then they work their way through the Old Testament. So they begin in Matthew, go through Revelation, and then they reset to Genesis through Malachi. So I don't know how you read the Bible, but years ago, I wanted to read the Bible in accordance to the stories. I wanted to be able to paint a picture. You ever watch those people? Remember back in the day when you had like 13 channels on VHF and then you turn it to UHF for another like 13 channels after that? I know some of you are too young to remember that. But in one of those channels, you had this guy who would just sit there and paint for like two hours and you can't figure out what he's doing and he'll paint something here and something there. And then by the end, when everything is said and done, you see the picture come together. In the word of God... You can read the stories and you get a clear picture of what is taking place. And I just love studying the Bible in that manner. I want to show you an example. Someone's like you're a detective and you're trying to find out details about the story. Let's go to the first text for today and we'll have it on the screen and we should have it at home as well. Luke chapter 7, beginning on verse 36, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says the following. Then one of the Pharisees... Ask him to eat with him. One of the who? Who was it? Pharisees. Now ask him, we know because of the context that it is Jesus, if you read before and after. But right now I'm just telling you because we got a lot of verses today. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him and went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. 37. And behold, a woman in the city who was a what? She was a sinner. They, they, they call her out. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, verse 38, and stood at his feet, behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil, 39. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And so if you see this story here, we don't know who the woman is. We know the guy who was a Pharisee, but we don't know who he is just yet. And we see the story of what happened with Jesus. Now, the good thing about the Gospels is that oftentimes you hear the same story with a couple of different details. Let's move on to the next Gospel, Mark chapter 14, verse 3, verses 3 to 5. Mark chapter 14, verse 3. And being in Bethany... At the house of Simon the leper. So now we have a location. It is in Bethany. And we know the Pharisee was Simon the leper. As he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. She wasn't called a sinner. She was just called a woman here. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. Verse 4. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? Verse 5, for it may have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they criticized her sharply. So we know the city, we know the name of the owner of the house, but now the focus was on her being a sinner, and ah, if it's really a prophet, he, knew, he wouldn't know what kind of woman she is. No, no, now the emphasis was that she had poured out an expensive oil over Jesus, and why such a waste? 
300 denarii, to put you into perspective how expensive that is, the average worker used to only work for one denarii a day. So this is 300 days worth of work. This is a year if you take weekends off and, you know, Columbus Day and a couple of holidays here and there, Labor Day and Memorial Day. That's like a whole year's salary in that flask of oil. And so that was the emphasis. Now, this gospel writer forgot about her being a sinner but emphasized on what a waste. And he says that there were some in the room who were indignant at the ways that took place. Let's look at the next gospel, Matthew 26, verses 6 through 9, where it tells the story. And now it gives us another piece of information. And when Jesus was in Bethany, at the house of Simon the leper, verse 7, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil. And she poured on his head and sat at the table, as he sat at the table. Verse 8. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? Verse 9, for this fragrant oil may have been sold for much and given to the poor. So now, unlike the previous gospel that says, you know, some of the people in the room were indignant. This gospel said, no, it was one of the disciples. Some of the disciples, they were indignant. You see how you're getting more information by reading the same story in another gospel? Let's go to gospel number four. Let's go to the last one. This one is in John, where we see now a fourth perspective on the story. John chapter 12, beginning on verse 1. Then... Six days before the Passover. Now we have a time period. Exactly when? We have the city. Jesus came to Bethany. Where Lazarus who was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. Now it's telling us how many people were there. Six days before the Passover in Bethany. Lazarus was also there because he had died the previous chapter and he was raised from the dead. Verse 2. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Verse 3, then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard. Now we know who the sinful woman was. Anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Verse 4. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, verse 5. Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Verse 6. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. Do you see how four gospels, same story, some emphasize on the sinful woman and why is Jesus letting him touch, letting him touch her touch him? Ugh. And then the other ones... We're a little bit more tactful. You know, one of the folks in the room, you know. The next gospel, well, one of the disciples. No, no, it was Judas. And if you're not sure who he is, the son of this one who lives here, social security, so-and-so, date of birth, this, tall hair, blue eyes, him. I mean, completely called him out and gave all of the details of what took place. Do you see how beautiful it is when you put the pieces together in the Word of God and you get a clear picture of the things that took place? Same thing happens with Jesus at the cross. Just one more example so that we get to the point. Let's go ahead and go to Matthew 27, verse 50. Matthew 27, verse 50. And it says the following. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. 
Mark 15.37. Mark 15.37. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Now here you have two out of the four Gospels that tells us that when Jesus was on the cross, many times we see one of those plays in Easter where it's just very sad the whole time. And he just, and let's go. No, these two Gospels gives us the tone. Gives us how, how loud it is. The decibels, he, he cried out. The Greek word there is kraso. You can't say it without crying out. It means really loud. He just cried out and then gave up the ghost. Lower the volume a little bit, please. Thank you. He just cried out and gave up the ghost. I'm sorry. It's the speaker thing. I got excited. Let's go to the next two gospels. Luke 23, verse 46. And when Jesus cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, his brief is last. John 19, 30. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Four gospels. Two give us the tone where he shouted. The other two tells us the words that he spoke towards the end. Forgiven. Okay. And it is finished. And I don't know the order because the Gospels don't tell us exactly the order. We don't know if it says, Father, forgive him because they don't know what they do. It is finished. Ah. Or if you say, it is finished and Father, forgive him and then give up the ghost. But we're getting a picture here of the tone as well as the words that he said that you have not known otherwise unless you read throughout the pieces of Scripture to get a better picture. Does that make sense? So you see the importance of reading the entire Bible. Oftentimes we read one verse, one chapter, one section, and we develop an entire theology of just the one spot in Scripture. Versus reading the entire Scripture and getting a complete image of who my God is. Does that make sense? Now, there's a story that I read in the Bible that completely threw me for a loop and I could not figure it out. And I could not understand why this story, because it did not make any sense. This is in Luke chapter 19, and we're going to have it up on the screen in a moment. We should have it at home as well. And we're going to read the 10 complete verses of this story. Now, I want you to look at something. He was a tax collector. He was a sinner. But look what happened. Luke 19, beginning on verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Verse 2. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Verse 3. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. Verse 4. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was going to pass that way. Verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Verse 6. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Verse 7. But when they saw him, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Verse 8, then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I get half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold, that, that's times four now, 
Verse 9, and Jesus said to him, today salvation comes to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. And verse 10, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. There you have it. This story messed me up completely. And here's the reason why. Number one, this story only appears in the gospel of Luke. And it is not in Matthew and Mark and John. It is simply in the gospel of Luke. Not only that, it doesn't make any sense at all. He's a chief tax collector. If you understand anything about tax collectors, notice what he said to Jesus. He says, if I had taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I will restore it times four. He's following Old Testament law that when you steal something, you restore it times four. I stole 100, I give you back 400. You know, that, that's the idea. But why is he doing this what is it that cost him when he heard Jesus was going to come through to try to run ahead to go ahead of the crowd he couldn't get through them because he was so tall so, as he was so short so he went around them and tried to get over there to climb on a tree I mean it's kind of like some of you driving where you know you you go on the left lane and you pass a whole bunch of cars you're not even looking and you you make a beeline then you get in front of them right before the exit slam on the brakes and then get off on the exit I mean not you here just other Floridians, right? But, but, but he kind of did that. He tried to get past the crowd. He rushed. He ran with little feet. He's got to do like two or three times the steps of a normal person. And he went out there. And he climbed a huge sycamore tree to see Jesus. Jesus looked at him. He was happy that Jesus wanted to come spend time with him. And then he's doing all of these things. But he's a sinner. Don't you know something about tax collectors? Tax collectors was one of the most disgusting individuals that you could use to describe a sinner back in Bible times. Because tax collectors at the time, if you owe, if you owe money to the government and I'm here to collect taxes and you pay me today, I can show up at your door tomorrow and say, I need you to pay me again. But I pay you yesterday. Either pay me or I'll get you arrested and say that you never did pay. This is why Lazarus said, I mean, this is why Zacchaeus said, if I have taken from anyone by false accusation, they could pretty much throw you in prison at their word. They kept the books. So I could take your money today, not write it on there and say, you still owe me. Oh, no, no, arrest him. So people could not stand tax collectors because they were constantly taking money away from people and threatening them with prison. And, and they were just threatening and threatening them and taking their money, which is why people were shocked at Lazarus. So what in the world drove a sinful man who admittedly had taken from people by false accusation to come and seek Jesus? Well, I could not find in the Gospels a similar story, but... I did learn of other things that happened in the Gospels because of Jesus. So I would like to propose a possible explanation, and I want you to, to humor me with this. Now I'm not saying that this really happened, but I am certain that something like this had to have happened. So I want you to bear with me in a moment. Let, let's go on a quick, just brief, brief journey. And I want you to picture this. First of all, you know, we see that Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector. He's at head honchos. He's a boss. If you've ever been a manager or a boss somewhere, you know that when you're shorthanded, when, when people don't show up, you got to step in and you got to do something. You know, sometimes if you got employees going on maternity leave, you're picking, you're, you're, you're working for them so that they could have their time off. You know, if your employee's late, you might show up and you might have to be the cashier as well as the janitor as well as the accountant in the back. You step up to whatever position. So picture Zacchaeus being the chief tax collector, having to cover a route for one of his employees and go collect taxes. 
And so he goes on his journey. He has the notebook. He has the addresses. He knows where he needs to go. And he approaches the first house right here that is completely filthy. The paint is chipping off. The, the roof is everywhere. The gutters are filled with garbage. There's the, the grass is tall. There's a gate and all of that. And so he goes and he, he knocks on the door. He rings the doorbell. And suddenly... You hear this dog just barking super loud. Imagine just a scary, you know, and grunting and growling and, you know, and you picture all of that. And suddenly this guy with some cool shades and a cane opens the door and says, who is there? And you know, stay back and try to hold back the dog. And the dog is barking and screaming, Rawr! you know, hey, hey, I'm Zacchaeus. I'm not usually, you know, taking this ride. I'm covering for one of my employees, but I'm here to collect the taxes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, listen, sir, and here's, you know, you see, I'm a blind man, and, and, and my, my previous, you know, guy dog died, and I, and I had to purchase this new dog who's a little mean, but, you know, he'll, he'll get to know me. He'll, he'll fall in love with me soon, but for right now, he cost me quite a bit of money, and because of the coronavirus, my social security check hasn't gotten here yet. All of the mail seems to be delayed. Even that prime company can't, can't get it here fast enough, and so, you know, I, I'm struggling a little bit, and, and so is there any way, is there any chance that you could give me till next month, and I will give you this month and next month as well, because right now I'm a little short. While he's talking to Zacchaeus, the dog is just barking like crazy and growling, and look at him like, I, I want to eat you. And so Zacchaeus is like, yeah, okay, sure, and we'll, we'll make it happen next month, and walks away scared and gives him the opportunity to pay next month. Zacchaeus goes on his journey now. He goes to the next house, and uh, the, the door is unlocked, and he hears a faint voice that says, come on in. And when he goes in there, he sees this woman that looks like death, completely flushed and pale. He, he gets scared just a little bit, and he says, hi, uh, you, you did say come in, right? So I'm here to collect, you know, the, the taxes. This is not normally my route. I'm covering in, but, you know, uh, yeah. I wanted to see what you can do. And she says to him, well, listen, you see, I've had this issue with blood for about 12 years now. And, and, and I've been bleeding and bleeding and go to all of the doctors. I've used up all of my money. And, and so I'm waiting for another check to come in. And, and, and is there any chance that you could give me to next month and I will pay you this month and next month as well? And then he says, well... I kind of have to be here next month already for one of your neighbors with a mean dog. So maybe I can go right ahead and come back here next month also. Okay, well, well, we'll go ahead and do that. And he's like, man, what a weird day today for, for collecting taxes. And he's moving, and he goes over to the next house. And he knocks on the door at the next house, and then he knocks on the door. No one is answering. And then he hears someone crying in the background just sitting on a rock right there. And, and so he looks, and he says, are you okay? She's like, yeah. Are you looking for my husband? I don't know. Does he live here? Is this his address? Yes. Well, my husband, you see, I don't know if you just look over there, and when he looks, he sees in the mountain behind the house this naked man 
completely dirty, chained up, screaming and growling and making noises, suddenly breaks off one of the chains, grabs a stone and begins to cut himself and just, ah, and you know, the scariest scene that you can imagine. And he's like, that's your husband? He's like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You see, I don't know what happened. Suddenly he came over with an illness or something. People are thinking that maybe he, he is demon possessed. I don't know what it is, but he was the main breadwinner in the house. He's the only one that had a job. He's the only one that worked. And I don't even know how I'm going to pay the bills. I got the collection people calling me. And, you know, they're worse than the people that are trying to sell me an extended vehicle warranty. They find me everywhere. And they're asking for money. And what is it that I do? And, and so, sir, I, I got to figure it all out. I don't know. No man can tame him. I'm spending all this money in chains. We chain him up. He breaks him again. He's cutting himself. Not, no one can tame him. He has the strength of 10 men. And so, sir, is there any way that you can give me a chance until I figure it all out? Maybe come back next month and I'll go ahead and give you, you know, the taxes for this month and next month as well. And, and, and Zacchaeus is like, okay, I'm actually going to be doing this, this route next month again. I mean, it must be the theme. So, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll come back next month. And so he goes about his way. He's ready to visit the last house of his journey. And, and, and um, he goes, knock on the door, and he notices on the door that there is this thing that they hang on doors usually when somebody passes away. And so he knocked on the door, and a lady comes out. And as the lady comes out, um, he, he, he says to the lady, hey, my name is Zacchaeus. I am here to collect the, the tithes. And, uh, I mean, the, the, the tithes and offers. <laughs> I'm here to collect the taxes. And, and, and so, you know, and, and she says, well, sir, my son, my boy just died. My boy just died, and I got to pay for the funeral costs, and they're telling me whether I should cremate him or put him on a casket, and we decided to do the casket route, and I got to pay for the, for the pallbearers and all of these things. It's so costly, and right now he was the only breadwinner in the house. He's just my boy, my, my little man. He will go mow the neighbor's lawn, and, and he will help with groceries, and he will do everything he could to help me because, you see, it's just me alone. I'm a widow, and he was the only one that I had, and now my only child is dead. Is there any way? That you could give me to the next month so I could recoup a little bit from, from, the, from this funeral plans and the cause and everything that is coming in here. And, I'll, and, and I will give you this month and next month. And Zacchaeus says, you know what? <laughs> Whatever. It's been the theme for today. Uh, sure, I'll be back next month and, and, and I'll see you then. Take care and sorry for your loss. Now let's fast forward to a month later. Now picture Zacchaeus going to the very first house that he went to. And he noticed that the house is all fixed up, nice and painted up. The grass is nice and low. The beware of dog sign is gone. He rings the doorbell, and he doesn't hear any barking whatsoever. And so the man comes out, and, and he says, hi, how are you? Good to see you. And, and Zacchaeus is like, you can see me? He's like, yes, of course. But weren't you blind? Were you pulling my leg last month? Weren't you blind and everything else? No, you have to understand something. You have to understand something. I ran into this man named Jesus, and he restored my sight. I couldn't get that dog to come down, so I sold the dog. I fixed up the house. I'm able to see clearly now. And I have last month's money, this month, and next month because I'm able to go back to work. And it was all because Jesus restored my sight. And Zacchaeus is like, 
wow, all right, okay. So he collected his money. He went forward. He went to visit the next house, and he, he, he knocked on the door, and this beautiful woman just opened the door. He says, I'm sorry, is your sister home? And, 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 and she's like, no, no, it's me. You were the kind man who, who gave me the opportunity to, to pay you. You know, I have to be honest with you. I, um, I really didn't think I was going to make it till this month. When I told you, give me till next month, because I thought I was going to be dead. I had tried everything for over 12 years. No one could fix me of the blood issue. And so I thought, you know, when I said give me till next month, pff, I was telling everybody that. Of course, now I got to start paying up. But you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm doing okay. He's like, I see. I mean, wow, look at you. And, 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 and what happened? Well, you see. I ran into this man named Jesus. I had heard about him, and I knew that if I could just touch him a little bit, I knew, touch his clothes, I knew that I was going to be healed. And surely enough, the minute that I touched the hem of his garment, I felt life come within me, and I knew that I was made whole again. And as a result, since I'm saving all this money in hospital bills, I have your money, Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is like, what in the world? Who can this Jesus be? I mean, he restores sight to the blind. He brings healing to a woman who looked like straight up deaf and made her whole again. I mean, oh me, oh my. So he goes to the next house and he knocks on the door and a man uh, opens the door. And then he was like, hi, I'm looking for the lady of the house. He was like, yeah, I'm her husband. You are? And, 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 and so she immediately comes out, yes, Zacchaeus, this is my husband. Remember last month when I told you that, that I was spending all this money in chains and stuff, and he kept breaking them up, and he had the strength of ten men, and he was possessed by demons and all of these different things. Remember when I said that no man can tame him? I was wrong. There was one man who could tame him, and his name was Jesus. As soon as Jesus showed up, immediately... Immediately, my husband just bowed down and worshiped, and the demons begin to gravel and beg. I mean, I have never seen this happen. Jesus was the man that could tame him, and he spoke, and my husband was free of the demons that were inside of him. Anyhow, I'm saving all this money in chains now, and I saw some of the spare ones, so I have your taxes for this month and last month as well. Thank you again for everything and for giving me this opportunity. And Zacchaeus just walks out of there saying, what in the world? What kind of manner of man is this Jesus who is able to bring sight to the blind, uh, who is able to heal a, a woman and cast out demons, to make her whole and take all these demons out of him to the point that he could tame him. Wow. And he goes to the next house and sees a young man just playing right in front of the house. And he said, and he knocks on the door, and he says, can I help you, sir? He was like, yes, I'm looking for the lady at the house. He was like, yeah, that's my mom. He was like, your mom? But I, I thought that, um, that I was there. Yeah, no, I get that a lot. And, and, and so, and he says, but what happened? He's like, I don't know. I just remember hearing the words calling me forward. And it was this man named Jesus. And I didn't realize once I woke up, I was on my way to being buried. 
but I heard my name being called by Jesus, and immediately there was life within me, and I rose. I mean, it was kind of awkward with trying to get reimbursed and everything else, but finally, my mom was reimbursed, and she told me you'll be coming by. I have an envelope for you that has the taxes for last month and for this month as well. And so what happens is that Zacchaeus, after going on his journey and hearing from different people what Jesus had done in his life as he's making his way back to Jericho, he's now hearing people talking, hey, Jesus is coming to town. Hey, Jesus is coming to town. Hey, Jesus is coming to town. Excuse me. He said, who's coming to town? Jesus. Really? And so Zacchaeus just began to run, couldn't get to the crowd. He kept on running. He climbed the tree. And when he was there and Jesus saw him, he says, come down because I'm going to go to your house. Zacchaeus was filled with joy because he wanted to see this Jesus that he had heard so much about. This is why his heart had been softened. This is why this sinful man was willing to restore back everything that was taken. And those things are fairly four times more. That's why salvation came to his home. Because someone shared who Jesus was. What is your story? I don't think we recognize the importance of telling the story. Some of us are ashamed of our past, our dirt, our filth, our struggles, our challenges of what we have done. Not realizing that the best testimony that we can give is not memorizing the Bible and quoting it verse by verse. But simply telling people what Christ has done in your life. I want to take you to the last story for today. We saw this story earlier in, in this possible situation that I share with you. But we're going to look at the last story found in Mark chapter 5, beginning on verse 25 through 33. And we're going to read it straight through. It says the following, Mark 5, 25 to 33. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, verse 26, and has suffered many things from many physicians. She has spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Verse 28. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Verse 29. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Verse 30, and Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? 31, but his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? The, the disciples were full of sarcasm, like all of the time. Like, you're surrounded by people, and you say, who touched me? Pfft, silly Jesus, right? Verse 32, and he looked around to see her who had done this thing. And verse 33, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Can you picture what is happening here? Have you ever seen those movies? I know you Christians don't go clubbing, but have you seen movies or TV shows when people are in a club, right? And, and suddenly something happens and the music stops and you hear like the disc. I don't know if we use disc anymore, scratch, you know, and, and, and just sort of like stops and, and everybody pauses. That's sort of what happens. Jesus is surrounded by the crowd. Oh, oh sh sh who touched me? And everybody stopped. The disciples, you know, were, were sarcastic, but then Jesus knew, and the woman told him everything because she knew what had taken place. I'm not sure if you understand what it means for her to say all of this in front of the crowd. Here's the whole thing. 
when women in the Old Testament bled, it was considered unclean and filthy. Men, I'm sure some of you may want to try to bring this back. Of course, not some of you guys here. But men had a house, right? And they had in the back a, an old version of a she shed. A, a, a house in the back where the woman would go during the time of her menstrual cycle. And whenever it was over, she then had to spend the next seven days doing a cleansing ceremony before she was able to come back into the house. Otherwise, she was considered unclean. And so pretty much she spent three to seven days in a house back there and another seven days doing a cleansing ceremony. And, and so the, and, and if she went into the house or touched the house or the children or the food or the kitchen or anything, it was considered filthy and unclean. And here you have a woman who has been bleeding nonstop without a cleansing ceremony for 12 years. And she's touching Jesus in front of everyone. And when Jesus called her out and find out what happened, she told the whole truth. She shared her story. She poured it out. I was bleeding. I wasn't clean. I tried everything. It was no fault of my own. And yes, even though I was bleeding and I'm not supposed to touch anybody... I knew that if I could simply just touch a little bit of Jesus because of how amazing he is and the stories we have seen and heard, I knew that I would be healed and I have been and I could just feel it immediately after I touched him. So she shared her story in front of everyone. A detail that is often missed. She started a trend. She went viral. Uh, not pandemic COVID-19 viral, but like, like internet viral. Let me explain to you what I mean. Last text for today, Mark 6.56. This is just a chapter later. Look what it says here. Wherever he, this is Jesus, ent uh, enter into villages, cities, or in the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the what? The hem of his garment. And as many as touch him were made well, she started a trend. She was the first one. She knew that was enough. And now people were begging that they could just do the same thing. Because she shared what Jesus had done in her life. Others wanted that for them. The fact that you're here today, if you've overcome anything, don't be afraid to talk about your struggles and your challenges, your addiction and your illnesses, whatever they may be, your, your sinful past. It is not about bragging about how bad I used to be, but it is about, you know what, how lost I was, how in the darkness I was, how I spent my entire life filled this void in my heart trying to fill it, and it was empty. No matter what I tried, it was never filled until Jesus made me whole. And so my encouragement to you, is to share your story about his glory. Do not be ashamed. Do not be afraid. Your story of what Jesus has done for you could do wonders for many, just as he has done here. My God can do amazing things. But people need to know about it. Even tax collectors can be saved. Even heathens can be saved. No matter whom, they can be safe if you simply share your story about his glory. So I want to encourage you to consider your experience. And finally, least one person between now and next week that you just simply share what God has done in your life. I told you guys this last week. My boss is mean, but at least you have a job. My car is acting up, but at least you have a car. My son is acting up, but at least you have children. Count your blessings for what they are. And share with people what a mighty God we serve. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you. 
And Lord, I know all of us have a story about your glory that we need to share with others. We shouldn't be afraid. We should not be ashamed. We should simply uplift you. The Bible says that if you'll be lifted up, you will draw all men to yourself. So let us uplift Jesus, especially now in a world that is in need of hope. May you bless us and keep us. This is my prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.